Friends, we have a special treat today. I want to introduce to you our guest preacher, and yet she is well known to many of us because um, Carolyn and Phil Helsel actually worship here with us. Their children um, are part of our community, and they're part of a life group, I think most of which are sitting in the balcony today. Hey, guys. Um, but um, let me introduce her properly. Um, Carolyn Helsel is the assistant professor of homiletics, which is the fancy word for preaching, at Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Um, she's been there for a couple of years, and she has offered to bring us uh, the word today. Please help me welcome uh, Dr. Helsel. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Let us hear now from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. And I'd invite all of you to read it along with me out loud so together we can hear the Gospel proclaimed in our midst. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. 
the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for this day, for waking us up, for being on the edge of a new year. We pray, O oh God, that you would open our hearts to how you are working in our stories, helping us to live in our story according to your good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I taught a course this past fall at the seminary on preaching and storytelling. In the class, we discussed ways that as Christians, we are challenged to live into the story of the Christian faith, letting the story of the gospel change how we live into our own stories. We know from experience that stories are powerful. The four books of the Bible that we call the Gospels are not a list of doctrines or a set of beliefs, but a series of stories. And the power of these stories of the life, death, and resurrection of a Jewish carpenter have changed human history. So in the course that I teach, I have students preach a sermon at the end of the semester that draws from one of the styles of storytelling or of narrative theory that we discussed in the class. And as the professor, I don't have to do the assignments myself. They just have to preach for me, not the other way around. But as I came to this text that we read together this morning, with all the noise and the chaos of this time of year, I was writing out multiple sermons. One had to do with the 12 days of Christmas. The sermon title emerged from the two turtle doves in the story. But of the sermons that I prepared for today, the one that emerged for me as the sermon I needed to preach was indeed a sermon that took seriously the power of storytelling. So this is fair warning. This will not be a typical sermon. It will not give you three points to apply to your life or make clever connections to the news of the day, but it will hopefully invite you into this great story that we have been given, that we have been called to enter into and help you imagine how God is calling you to respond anew. So I invite you now to imagine with me. It was a cold morning in Jerusalem. One of those painfully cold days when just getting out of bed feels like a chore. Simeon sat on the edge of the bed for a minute wondering whether his legs would hold him for yet another day. He braced himself for the stony floor and slowly stood up and immediately regretted it. The room spun just a bit, his balance not great after all these years of kneeling and standing in prayer. He grabbed the wall to steady himself and looked out the window. It was already late. Still early for most people, but late for Simeon, he could see the sun's rays 
had already lit the sky, turning it from dark blue to gray. He'd been getting up before the dawn for years, saying his prayers, reciting the law, traveling to the temple. But it wasn't just for the sake of duty that he was so religious. He had seen so much pain and suffering over the years. And yet he knew the promises of God, that there would one day come a Savior, a Messiah, who would comfort all those who suffered and who would somehow redeem this broken world. And in his own heart, he had heard a message that he dare not speak aloud, that one day he would see the Savior before he died. He couldn't tell you how he knew, and he felt he was way too old to be naive, but he was sure it was true. And so each day he went, looking out for God to show up. Across town, a few others were also making their way to the temple. One was a new mother still feeling the exhaustion of childbirth. Her body still not back to the way that it was before her baby, but she had the feeling that nothing would be the way it was before this baby. Not after this baby, because from the moment she saw him, he lit up her heart like it was on fire. She had never seen anything so beautiful in her life. Perhaps every mother felt that, she wondered. But no, no one could feel this way. The way that she felt about this baby, her baby, and yet also not her baby. She couldn't quite explain it. This child had grown inside her for nine months, and she felt the pain of childbirth as he entered this world. But somehow... He was also something totally different, not hers exactly. And yes, of course, she knew that he was God's. After all, all they had belonged to God. But this child belonged to God in a special way. She and her husband had scarcely talked about the miracle it still felt so strange to both of them. And now here he was, their little miracle. She loved him so fiercely. Just the other night as she held her tiny baby, fragile and delicate and soft, this tiny baby grabbed onto her finger with a grip that seemed so certain so secure, his tiny fingers wrapped around her one finger, and she felt reassured, safe, held, as if this baby were God himself holding her. She held this baby, but his grip made her feel that God held her. Inside the temple courts, the torches had been lit for hours. 
Anna stood watching over the empty porticos, making sure there was no one hiding in the dark, as sometimes the bandits would do to come out and seize upon the visitors, grabbing their offerings before they could bring them before God. Anna herself wasn't strong enough to fight them off, but her presence was enough to keep them away. She could call temple guards with her two sharp-fingered whistle. No one knew how she could muster that kind of sound through her frail body. But it wasn't just her whistle that kept them away. It was their respect for her uncanny ability to prophesy. Somehow, she just knew things. She spoke words from God. Anna was older than most, but she didn't like to think of herself as old. She was still able to pray and worship every day. She was able to fast, which is hard for both the young and old alike. And she was proud of her consistency. But then again, it was what had given her life meaning. Ever since her husband had died, she'd had no one to look after, to care for, or anyone to do that for her. They had no children, so the temple became her family. She saw as her children the little ones who begged for scraps at the outer walls. Her family were the pilgrims who would come from all over to bring their sacrifices on high holy days. Sometimes they brought babies to dedicate. Those were her favorite days. The babies so new, so full of promise, seeing them gave her hope. She too had seen so much pain and suffering in her life. And the face of a baby would remind her that new life emerges even when the shadow of death casts its darkness everywhere. Anna saw the couple approaching. The two travelers were just now making their way to the temple steps, a mother carrying her precious baby while the father held their offering, two turtle doves, which were expected according to the law of Moses as a sacrifice for Mary's purification after giving birth. He had scraped to buy those birds. They had so little money. He hoped that he would get more work now that things were settling down. Things had really slowed down when they had to travel for the census registration, which had cost him valuable work days. But seeing his son in Mary's arms, he trusted everything would work out. Somehow this miracle reminded him that God had a plan and that somehow they were part of it. This child would be great. He was sure of it. Simeon saw the family as he headed in their direction, and as soon as he saw them, his heart leaped. Could this be them? Could this be the couple that he had seen in his dream? It had been so real, so vivid, this vision. He couldn't quite say what it was. He just knew 
he had seen a couple bringing a baby to the temple and that this was the child that he had been waiting for. His tired body, as he saw them, felt infused with new energy. His skin tingled as he felt the hairs on his body raise ever so slightly. Chicken skin, he used to call it. And he was too excited to notice that he had not even properly closed his cloak, the wind rushing in through the gaps, chilling his already cold body. But that didn't matter. Nothing mattered now. He could die for all he cared because this here, in this moment, this was what he had lived for. This is what he had been waiting for his whole life. And now it was here. He was here. The one he felt sure he would get to see before he died. That was what he had heard from God, and now he was more sure of this than anything else in his life. This child was the Savior, Israel's consolation. Now, Mary wasn't so sure about this old man coming up to see them. It was dawn, and they didn't expect to see many visitors up here at the temple. She wondered about the intense expression that she saw in his face. He was staring at them. No, not them, just him, their child. What did he want with their baby? But quickly, more quickly than she could have guessed, this man could move. He was reaching out for their baby with his arms and his eyes full of wonder. Mary's suspicions melted when she saw the look in his eyes, not a malicious or crazy look, but a look that this baby was the best thing that had ever happened to him or to anyone. She allowed the old man to hold her baby and words erupted from his mouth, not directed at them, but to the sky. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which have prepared, you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Mary and Joseph looked at each other amazed and awestruck. And Anna, approaching from across the temple courts, heard the old man's exclamations. She too looked at the child and lightning, a surge, went through her body, filled with a warm sense of God's immediate presence a sensation that had accompanied every prophecy God had ever put on her lips. When she saw the face of this child held up by old Simeon, she saw in that face the redemption of Jerusalem. This child, this child, here was the Savior, the Messiah, Praise God, she shouted. Praise the Lord, she sang out loud again and again. Her old voice cracked 
from youth but strong, ringing out in the clear morning air. Praise the Lord! And Simeon heard Anna shouting praises behind him, and a smile folded all of the lines on his face as he handed the baby back to his mother. God bless you, dear ones. And then, in an instant, his smile turned sad. As he released the baby back into Mary's arms, he touched her gently on the shoulder, saying, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. With that, he stepped away, quietly leaving the couple with their thoughts. What was that about? What did he mean? Mary wanted more. The question on her mind that echoed from nine months before, how can this be? How will he be a sign? And who would possibly oppose this child? How will he reveal the inner thoughts of many? And what was that business about a sword piercing my own soul? The thoughts spun in her head, making her dizzy. It was only the weight of the child in her arms that kept her grounded. Joseph saw her face and reached an arm behind her. He too was confused. What did this all mean? And how could their miracle, their baby, be both Israel's consolation and a sign that will be opposed? When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. We can only imagine what went through their minds. Maybe his parents treasured these things in their hearts. Maybe it worried them. Maybe this memory secured for them the confidence that God was working that this miracle that God had given them was indeed the Savior, though they still had to wait to see what that meant. Hoping in God's promises, remembering the faithfulness of Simeon and Anna and their words over this child, they continued to wait and watch for where God would work again. Now, as we live into the gospel story, what is God doing in our lives and in our stories? As we begin a new year, may we be alert and prepared for when God calls us to live our stories in new ways. Amen.